0: is at the back for those of you with children who would like to get your Bible bags and uh, they are designed of course to follow along with the lectionary. The rest of us, let's go back to the Gospel of John. John chapter 10. We're going to go through verses 1 through 10 on this fourth day of Eastertide, also Mother's Day. The lectionary takes us to the shepherding care of God and how God cares for us you know, when you grow up, you uh, think that all the rest of the world has the same experiences that you have. And of course, when I grew up in Oklahoma, and my uh, grandparents on both sides were farmers and had cattle and sheep and hogs, and my uncles all had them, and that's where we went all the time. I I didn't really think about the fact that there are lots of people in the world who don't know um, how sheep act and what they're like. And They've never held a lamb in their arms who's just days old. Or tried to shear a sheep, which is, believe me, a lot harder than it sounds. And uh, if they'd only stay still, you know, it's like giving a haircut to a two-year-old. And uh, one of the things that I always loved to do is when my grandfather would feed the sheep. Sheep are, are the most comical creatures on the planet. When he starts to walk into a sheep pen... All of them would kind of climb on top of each other, trying to be the first one there. Uh, It's kind of brown-nosing the farmer or something. And uh, be sure they got their care and their love and, and their attention and so on. It wasn't actually until I was in seminary at a Christian education class that it really dawned on me that before you can tell a child who's lived in the city and never actually spent any time with sheep that Jesus is the good shepherd, who cares for his sheep, you first have to teach them about sheep. And so one of the things I've done over all these years is our little preschool uh, chapel that we do every week. I have two lessons a year in which I simply teach about shepherds and sheep and what they're like and what shepherds do and how they have to lead them to the green pastures and set them beside still waters because sheep won't drink from a troubled brook uh, that is scaring them and has to have a still water, a pool that they're there and how the the shepherd has to protect them from the wolves that are hiding behind the trees and would come and and, uh, attack and attack the flock and how oftentimes sheep will wander away as they're grazing and they get caught up in briars and patches and get lost and The good shepherd goes after the one sheep that is lost. And how when they're sick, the good shepherd brings them into his arms, his care, and provides for them. And how the good shepherd is the the door of the sheepfold. Uh, The sheepfold is literally just a, a rock thing back in those days with an open gate. And the shepherd or the shepherds would sleep at the door. Uh, they were the door of the sheepfold. And when they got ready to leave in the morning, they would call their sheep. And their sheep would come out because they know them. And the other shepherd's sheep would not because they don't know them. They, they're a stranger to them. And and how the good shepherd is, in fact, the one that brings health and wholeness uh, to the sheep life. And, and so uh, I, I teach that to our kids so that when they are your age and they read the 23rd Psalm, they understand. Oh, and to restore... Uh, it's a shepherding term. It means that when a sheep gets so woolly and so heavy with all that they own and they fall down, they can't get back up. All their wool and possessions hold them down. And the shepherd has to put them back up on their sheep and help them get rid of some of that wool so that they can survive. And so there's, there's so many things that that you need to know to, to understand the 23rd Psalm. Now I got to thinking about that and I was, I was wondering if Jesus had been Uh, born in, uh, let's say, Carpinteria, and he came and did most of his ministry in Santa Barbara, would he use the analogy of a shepherd? Because we're no longer uh, an agricultural society, although outside of this we are, but not many sheep around here. What would he use? What analogy would he use? And I have a modest proposal, if he would uh, want to take my counsel at all, I would suggest that he might just take this Hallmark holiday of honoring our mothers and talk about how God is the good mother, the one who loves her children, whose children know her voice, beginning in the womb, and the first knitting together of that eardrum. How the good mother knows the healthy green food and the sugar-free still waters. How the good mother keeps her children from straying into the hands of strangers or being harmed by wolves in sheep's clothing like family or neighbors or coaches or teachers who want to babysit the child or coach them all alone in solitude and yet the mother has that intuitive protective sense that this is not someone I'm gonna let my child be near how the good mother stands at the door of the house and watches they're coming in and going out and knows where they are And knows who they're with and knows the people that are impacting them, whether they're coaches or teachers or pastors or Bible study leaders, because they watch over their children. Now, the same analogy, of course, could be used for the good father who uses their strength to protect the child or the good pastor who stands at the door and watches over the coming and going of the flock, making sure everyone has opportunity to talk and to make connection Or the good leader who fertilizes the green pastures and creates safe communities where east and west do not destroy one another. Or the good teacher who protects the dignity and the minds of those in the classroom. But this morning we're going to use the analogy of the good mother to understand our relationship with God. My hope is that as you think about it in different terms, you will understand God's care for you. And as it is expressed in the 23rd Psalm, so it is expressed in the family's care. So let's go again to the words of Jesus, recorded by John. John, of course, is the only one who lived to an old age, and he has this very reflective uh, gospel. And gospel just means good news that uh, he has about Jesus Christ. And so it's very different, as you know, from the other three gospels. These are the words of our Lord. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, These were the best of the religious leaders of their day. These were the cream of the crop religious leaders who did everything, at least tried to do everything that the law uh, required of them, their religion required. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Now, Jesus used this figure of speech, this analogy. But the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to ki- to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now keep that open before you as we pray. Let's pray. Father, in this wonderful analogy of your care for us, Jesus, as you express that you are the good shepherd, that that's the relationship you want, as we think about what that might look like in our own homes, this mother's care I would ask that you would reveal to us in perhaps a new way or at least in a affirming way your care for us and your provision and your your wonderful protection and all the things that that you do in our lives allow us to live in that uh, safe place that fold that home and allow us to be your people in an increasing measure without the anxiety that this world often puts upon us. And we'll do it all to your glory and to your praise. Amen. Now, earlier in the service, we read the 23rd Psalm. And as we've already seen, the psalm uses this analogy of the shepherd. But I want to give you this model. And it's interesting how much of the psalm does not change when you talk about the mother, the good mother, rather than the good shepherd. But think of the model this way. The Lord, Yahweh, is my mother. I shall not be lacking. She keeps me, She helps me to lie down in clean houses. She leads me into quiet, still places. She restores me to my spiritual feet when I'm fallen. She leads me in ways that are right in accordance to being called by God's name. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your discipline and your corrections prove to be a comfort to me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of those who would starve me. You honor my thoughts. You provide an overflowing cup of unending love. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord, Yahweh, forever. Now, Jesus actually uses the analogy of a mother when he laments over Jerusalem, and he says, I've so wanted to gather you under my wings as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But, and this is the telling phrase of his statement, but you were not willing. That phrase is what we want to focus on today. Whether we're talking about the analogy of the shepherd and the sheep that wants to be a part of the shepherd's care or a family and the child that wants to hear and be a part of the mother's care. Willingness, free will, is the beginning and the ending point of that care. For if we are not and will not allow ourselves to be cared for, then we live in a place that is absent that care. And we are, through the respect that God gives us, on our own if we choose not to be with him and with his care watching over us. So let's use the analogy and let's see how our own willingness to enter the door through which Jesus Christ provides is the entrance into a blessed and a blessing kind of life. Now, if we bring this to modern life and we use the mother, the first thing that we begin with is the fact that a mother does not have, leave her children lacking. The Hebrew there is a rich primitive word. Primitive means that there's no word that it comes from. It's the root of all root words in that area of the language. So it's a very rich, primitive word, and it means to be cared for in such a way that we are not decreased, we are not deprived, that we are not empty, that we are, in fact, full, that we are increased, that we are blessed. Interestingly, we know that the first months of a human life will create in us, as human beings, either a sense of hopeful fullness because the mother provided well, and we know that life is going to be good because we were provided for. Or there will be a pervasive emptiness that the soul feels decreased and undervalued. And there's an inability even when love comes into a person's life to experience a love. It's as though there's a cup with no bottom and the love is poured in, but it never stays, it never fills. It's never a complete experience for the individual because there was no beginning to experience the care of a mother that would not leave us lacking. Yahweh is our mother. Yahweh is the word that is given. Every time you see Lord in the Old Testament, it's Yahweh. I am. That's the word he gave to Moses to describe who he is. The ground of all being, the source of all existence. I am. Yahweh is our mother and will fill us such that we have no sense of inward lacking if we are willing. So let's ask ourselves, am I willing to be filled by God so I am not lacking? And of course the question then is how do you get filled by God? And we talked about the 12 ways we connect with God, the 12 disciplines prayer and worship and silence and solitude and study celebration and service and all the wonderful ways that god connects with us and fills us the analogy would continue on in verse 2 that yahweh like a mother helps me lie down in clean houses and leads me into quiet still places again the hebrew speaks of a dwelling place it's a house provided by a loving God who, like a mother, helps us lie down in protected places, places where it is still and quiet, where we can find rest and renewal for our souls. It's almost a cliche in our modern life to speak of of these restless, hectic, stressful lives uh, that we are living as these uh, time savers that were supposed to give us more time have taken away time and we are obsessed by uh, the modern life. And you know all the studies. Researchers used to say back 20 years ago when we would give these kinds of sermons that that, uh, Christians live seven years on average longer than does uh, the rest of the general population, even taking out variances to that. uh, Church-going Christians, which is the way they uh, quantify it so they can evaluate it. Today, the latest research is saying that church-going Christians, on average, live 14 years longer than those who do not take a moment to come into sanctuary and to rest and to listen and to abide by the ways and truths of God as we live our lives. But I, I found an interesting study recently. I got to thinking about I wonder... What is producing so much of the stress? And one of the research that they're doing is trying to figure out how listening to the news is destroying us. This author lists lists, uh, several findings. But when you focus only on the body, if you are a habitual news watcher and you are having that stress put into you daily and sometimes two and three times a day, and if you're on services like I'm on Uh, the wonderful new york times will tell me anything happening at any point in the day uh, through my computer the author lists several findings but when you focus only on the body this addiction to news is harming deeply our limbic system it's putting us into a state of chronic stress and we all know what stress does to the body the side effects are fear aggression tunnel vision, desensitization to any kind of problem that anybody might be having now once you understand that then you can understand why Yahweh would have us lie down in quiet places where we can renew our souls and put all of this news in a broader uh, perspective so that when we wake up and live in this world that is so troubled we can spend time with God and look at the world from the broad perspective of God's love and his care over us and we can then be nourished by the good mother's good news the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ that gives us hope in every way and in every aspect of who we are and what this world is now the fact of course that you're here today implies that you know the value of the sanctuary safe place worship of God and that you value this time with god and listening to what god has to say so i would only reinforce that this is a blessing beyond description that we get to spend time with god and do not forsake the coming together as the epistle says for it's very very vital to your spiritual life and your well-being now the the analogy continues in verse 3 that yahweh our good mother restores us to our spiritual feet when we've fallen, leads us in ways that are right so that we can bring honor to the one whose name we bear, that we are Christ ones, we are Christians, and so the way we live our lives brings honor to God as we follow the the ways of, of, uh, of God. Here the Hebrew word is again a primitive word that needs over 200 English words to translate it. Here are only just a partial list. You can look it up online and and study the the whole spectrum of things that restoration of God means in our lives. But I got to thinking about how this assistance that God gives us in thousands of daily conversations is like what our mother uh, gives to us. When you're around your mom, as I was this week, I got to spend three days back in Oklahoma for some work I was doing there. And my mother, at 86 years old, still thinks I need lots of parenting. <laughs> and she's right. She just comes by and lays a couple of pearls on and walks away. And you know, and, and uh, we have this wonderful conversation. And I was thinking how so often that's the way it is with my relationship with God. I'll enter into a time of prayer with Him, and i just lay a, an insight on. I had something happen recently that... I wish I had not done and I realized that God had actually warned me not to do that and it was something that would have helped make things smoother it wasn't a sin or anything like that it was just that if I would listen I could live under greater wisdom than my own sense of of what I think would be the best thing to do in this or that circumstance but in order to listen to God we have to have still quiet places We have to have places where the cacophony of the sounds of this world are not overwhelming to us or scaring us or stressing us, but rather where we can listen and abide by God. And the question, of course, then is, are we willing to do that? Are we willing to make space and time to listen and to abide by God's guidance in our lives? If we are willing, then God, like a good mother, will be with us in thousands of ways walking with us each day of our lives but the question is are we willing are we humble do we listen to mom or are we hard-headed and hard-hearted now we don't have time this morning to go through the rest of the psalm I encourage you to take this analogy of a mother's care for us and consider how like a good mother our Lord is with us in sickness especially when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. How our Lord disciplines us and corrects us so that we are not left to figure out life on our own. How like a loving mother, he prepares a table to nourish us even when there are those who would starve or even poison our souls. Consider how God honors our minds, our thoughts, our doubts, our, and listens to us as a mother would, engaging us in that development and growth and that uh, it's necessary for any human being to to develop as a human being but i want to close with the observation that jesus makes in our text today about his being the gate the door if i understand jesus correctly one of the most important aspects of his care for us is that he protects us We who once wandered in the wilderness and all of the danger of that, not only not finding green pastures and still waters, but all the wolves and others that would take our lives. He protects us first by letting us into the fold through him, the door, the gate. Jesus says it very clearly. He says, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. He's the one who came that we might have life and that we might have it to the full. He's the very source of life itself. But there are those and they can even be religious people. He's addressing this to the Pharisees who he is not a fan of. Who are There are those, even religious people, who are trying to steal and to kill and to destroy humanity. Including you and including me Jesus provides protection from such people if we will come and listen to him and his voice and enter into his fold now I don't know if there are any voices you may be listening to that are stealing or killing or destroying your soul but if so I would plead for you to come to the home created by God for your well-being enter into that fold, abide in that place, listen to the one who cares for you, and let provide this tremendous caring place for your eternal well-being. Whether we describe that as a good shepherd or a good mother, it is a wonderful place of God's care. So let's spend time with him.